and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this week's show, it's all about Magic Monday, when after 435 days without live rugby, Bears fans finally got back to the gate. And what an evening, what a spectacle and what a game. Bristol running out 39-7 winners over Gloucester to retain the Rifles Cup. People will talk about this match for years to come and we'll give you our views right now. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, um, what a what an evening that was. Um, I think it's fair to say, Lee, that uh, you were a bit giddy before the game. Oh, Tony, I mean, uh, first of all, I better apologise because my voice is just about holding up after all the singing and cheering yesterday. But um, I don't know about Magic Monday. I think that was a, a manic Monday straight from the from the Bengals playset. <laughs> that, uh, that was one crazy, crazy game of rugby. I've never seen anything like it. And Pete, how, how was it uh, for you? How good was it to uh, do that walk back down to Ashton Gate? It was brilliant, Tony. It was a little bit stressful because I had a quite a logistical nightmare on the Monday. I was uh, taking my daughter to cricket training until just before seven and then had to get to the gate after that. But once I got there, walked in, it was all nice and smooth, got myself a flat buckcomb, got to my seat, everyone around, atmosphere building, and I thought, yeah, it's like we've never been away. Well, Pete, you even had time to have a, make an appearance on the radio as well, didn't you? So you I, took it all in I your stride, buddy. Yeah, I did. I was. I, I, I spoke to uh, our friend Jeff Twentyman uh, just before going in, uh, trying to, to give him a sort of fan's view of the atmosphere. And, uh, yeah, it was great. Um, and uh, it was it was actually, I think we'll all agree... It was, it was, yeah, it was better than we thought, wasn't it? I think we all knew we missed it, but I don't think we realised how much we missed it until we actually got there. And and, and the atmosphere was was fantastic. Three thousand people definitely were making the noise of uh, of nearly twenty three thousand, I reckon. Uh, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, just a couple of things for our listeners, regular listeners, to know. Uh, first of all, we're recording this at 8 o'clock on Tuesday evening rather than our regular Sunday evening session uh, and also that we've had a few technical difficulties so we're, we're back to the old school method and uh, we're all on the phone so uh, if it sounds slightly different to the last few weeks uh, it's just because we've had a few technical difficulties and have resorted back to uh, one of our old methods but the good news is now that we're uh, past the next lockdown stage it uh, hopefully maybe next uh, m- the next episode we'll be recording in person for the first time in well that'll be over a year I think won't it oh that'll be a huge, huge relief to get back into the same room together boys you know my my you know my, my technical abilities uh, fell every week don't they so it'll be nice just to be sat in front of you with a, a couple of uh, tinnies and uh, back to the old school ways Great. Well, let's uh, let's talk about two things tonight because uh, we're going to do another podcast on Sunday when we uh, we've got a few things to talk about as well as looking forward to the sale game. But uh, 
this podcast is all going to be about uh, that night, um, Bristol 39, Gloucester 7. We'll talk about the game, the performances, uh, and also what it was like to be back in the stadium. And uh, I think, Pete, you, you mentioned it, that the, the, the kind of atmosphere was was better um than than I think we all expected and I I must admit when I when I heard there were only going to be just over 3000 fans there I was thinking mm, you know is is that fit going to feel like we're rattling around in the stadium is is the atmosphere going to be uh, any good but I was absolutely gobsmacked at both the atmosphere and the noise that was generated yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree, Tony. I, I did wonder, um, you know, obviously we were all up for it, but there's only so much you can do if you're a small crowd, but it was unbelievable. And I think the fact that most of us have got strained voices today sort of proves the point. Um, and I think everybody, um, you know, everyone gave that extra maybe 30 to 40% than they normally would. Uh, I think that we all fed off each other. We fed off the team. We fed off the TMO. <laughs> We fed off the ref. We fed off everything, and it, it just kind of built, didn't it? And I mean, was it? It was incredible. It was. I'd say that I'd go as far as say I think it's one of the best atmospheres of any, almost any live game I've ever been to in any sport. It was. It was just that kind of pent up demand of four hundred and whatever days it was waiting for this moment, and, and having had a few full dawns during the tier system. You know, it, I think. I think everybody. All the fans, all the players, everybody just needs to to pat themselves on the back and, and and just say what a great job we did last night on this kind of almost like a one-off occasion, really. And Lee, let me come let, let me come to you. Um, we we had seats together and we walked down to the ground together. Um, but how good was it to see some of those faces that we haven't seen for for well over a year? Oh, it was fantastic tone. I mean, to see to see faces that we haven't seen before full stop. Um, you know, and you think all that time we've we've been um, they've been playing bare shirts, and we haven't seen Earl Malins, uh, Sammy Sinclair, and and bizarrely enough, I put this in the um, in our post uh, article today. But the first person I looked at when I looked on the pitch was was Sammy, and that just that glorious flowing beard, and I just thought. Oh my goodness! This is this is everything. This is exactly what we needed, wasn't it? One hundred percent. And uh, I, I thought it was quite a slick operation as well, just to you know get in. Uh, there, there wasn't many holdups. Uh, I've got to say, I, I like the size of the queues for the beers. If they could uh, main, maintain that when they've got twenty seven thousand in, that that would be good. And uh, yeah, you could you could get a, you could go to the loo, get a pint, and be back in your seat within five minutes at halftime. So uh, that definitely worked for me. Well, let's um, and I'm sure we're going to pick up things about the game. And, and uh, um, the, 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 the feeling and the, the surrounds in the stadium. But let's start to talk about that game. And as I said in the intro, I think I think fans will be talking about this game for for years to come. This will be one of those that were, were you there? Um, yes, it was the first time we were back in the stadium, but also it was one of the most bizarre games of rugby I think I have ever witnessed in my life. Um, Pete, let me come to you. Um, we, we we got off to a flying start, but did you think it was slightly unusual that you know a, a Bears team playing with confidence, top of the table, 
um, just started all of a sudden for the first time this season taking penalties when they were offered. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting, wasn't it? First two penalties, Callum kicked us six points ahead, and and I do think that uh, yeah, it was it was a, it was a I think it was a I must have been a strategy because I haven't seen it before. You know, maybe a, a bit of a, a pat sort of settling strategy to the boys and say, look, just it's going to be a big occasion. There's going to be a lot of adrenaline flowing. Um, just if you get the opportunities, let's get the scoreboard going. Let's get the scoreboard ticking, and then unleash uh, the beast but unfortunately we got, did the first bit right and then when we started going for it um, the beasts unfortunately were unleashed but not quite in the way we wanted them to so yeah it was a it was a it was, it was a bizarre um, a bizarre first half I mean one of the most bizarre first half I think most rugby fans have experienced there and Lee let me come to you to, to, to add to the weirdness of it um on 15 minutes, uh, we had a, a red card for Gloucester. Their um, their lock um, sent off for a, a clear tip tackle on uh, Stephen Luatoa, um, which did go to the TMO to be reviewed. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we were already gunning for Gloucester. They were down to 14 men. Um, and then we had that, again, odd situation of that scrum that was reset, what, eight or nine times? It was ridiculous, wasn't it? I mean, we were saying, come on, let's, you know, we've absolutely stamped our authority on it. Let's get the ball out now. They're a man down. And, and let's get let's get five or seven points on the board and um, but we couldn't believe it could we and then eventually then we ended up losing it didn't we so it it was rather frustrating wasn't it that opening um, opening period but it, it was like it was it, I totally agree Pete it was the strangest game of rugby I've ever seen um, but I do think that starting with those penalties I just wonder if it might have been a little bit of Pat saying, you know, kind of getting that mindset of a possible playoff game, you know, um, taking the points when they're available and and just kind of tinkering with it so so it's not completely changed when we do get to the playoffs, you know. I don't know, it's just my, my opinion on it. Yeah, and um, Pete, we had that, that, I think it was the first try that was uh, wiped out, was the, the Carl Sinclair one. Um, fantastic move and uh, yeah I think we were all pretty convinced he'd scored and uh, we're even trying to convince the, the referee and the TMO and that's one of the things I'd forgotten about the the ability for the crowd to try and influence that, that kind of TMO decision but uh, Sinclair a little bit unlucky um, I don't know if you've seen it again that, uh, that try but um, I probably I haven't actually yeah, I mean, I, told you, I didn't get home until about midnight last night and then had to get up this morning, go to work again. Um, I haven't seen it, but I, I remember that when it happened and I it was on the big screen. And it, to me, I could not see how there was any clear daylight between his hand and, and the ball. I mean, obviously, the TMO saw something. But having spoken to a few people about it at work today... Uh, who actually saw it on telly and had the luxury of of, of, of watching it on telly and, and seeing it in slow mo? They even said it was a real close call, and I, you know, I do wonder about the TMO role at the moment. We it seems to have come into the rugby, you know, like a kind of creeped up on us, and suddenly the TMO seems to be kind of refing the game. Um, 
on many occasions, you know, and obviously he's there for, for a reason. But, you know, it has, it has raised a few questions, I think, last night. You know, when you get that many tries disallowed on, you know, maybe they are right, maybe they're marginal, but, you know, a few phases back on some of them. And, and if the ref isn't seeing these things, what's the point of the ref on the pitch? It's, uh, it's an odd one. It's an odd one. But that Sinclair one, as far as I could tell, was, was the closest one of all. Yeah, and and to be honest, uh, I'm not going to go through all of them because what was it? Was it seven tries <laughs> that that were chalked chalked off? Either a combination of the TMO uh, ruling them out, or we managed to spill the ball when uh, over the try line. Um, and Lee, you know, one of those classics was was Charles Piertau. I mean that 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 was a wonderful move, wasn't it? Just before half time. Uh, I mean, it, go sorry, on. Sorry. No, go on. I I was just I was amazed that a player like Pieto did that. To be honest, because um, I think he was he was concentrating so much on the player to his right, wasn't he? That he, he hadn't even clocked that there was a player behind him to his left. And I mean, it was it was so frustrating. And I think on top of all the you know the TMO close TMO decisions, um, it, it, I mean. Let's be honest, Tony, at halftime, did we not have a discussion saying that this could go horribly wrong for us? We could end up losing this bizarre game. Uh, we certainly did. I mean, Max Malins had scored, I think he was on 26 minutes. Um, <clears throat> I think that made it 13-0, didn't it? We all started to relax a little bit. And Pete, uh, I, Gloucester were down to 14 men. I think, I think it was 14. I don't think they'd still had the man off with the yellow card. Um, but then they somehow managed to manufacture like a three-man overlap yeah. to to score. Uh, I mean, what were you thinking at that point? Well, that that is when fact becomes stranger than fiction, isn't it? I, I remember I was sat there watching. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> How can this be possible? That they literally have nothing, no possession. They have one visit. And it and it goes over and, and and I agree with Lee. I mean, at that point, I did wonder a little bit. Uh, I just thought, you know, could this be one of those nights where the gods of sport are just uh, looking down on 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 the game and thinking, you know what? Let's make it a bit a real. Let's make it weird. Um, but you know, thank thank goodness that. They got back into half time. I mean, I'm sure Pat said he was calm and just said trust the system. But I, one of these days, I'd love to find out from one of the players what actually went on in the half time changing room. Um, but yeah, obviously, second half started a little bit dodgy. But then, yeah, finally we we got into it, and, and in the end, it was uh, it was what we'd all hoped for. And obviously, with Semi scoring that final try. Uh, to send us home happy it was it was all good absolutely and Lee uh, I mean that was it four tries in the second half Piatau Earl Hughes and Ranrandra um, it looked for a while that we were huffing and puffing for the to get the bonus point but uh, as soon as that was in the bag it really was party time at the gate wasn't it I mean, we, we've got to mention the double dummy by Chris Bowie, though, haven't we, for for Piotr's try? Um, because that was just just awesome. You were like, we were looking at each other, thinking, "Oh my goodness, did he did he just actually do that twice?" Um, and you know, a little bit of me was thinking Piotr should have given it back to him so he could yeah. actually finish finished his own try. But I guess after after the cock up on the 
on the try line, there was no chance it, that Charles was going to do that, was it? But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was once we did start scoring the tries, you thought, well, that's that's game over now. But up to that point, it was really, really, really tight for a, for a, a spell. Um, and Earl's try, I thought, was amazing as well. I mean, the strength that he showed for that try on 65 minutes was was immense, wasn't it? I mean, there was no stopping that guy. No, and uh, uh, Pete, um, uh, Semi getting just rewards um, with his try at the end, but uh, a, a kind of filthy no-look pass from Mr Sheedy. I mean... There was a lot of them all game. I mean, it was a it was a game of of of, of all of, of the kind of super, the Harlem Globetrotters esque playbook. I mean, there was offloads, there was line breaks, there was there was no look passes, there were back of the hand passes, but unfortunately, there were also lots of knock ons <laughs> and forward passes and stuff like that. I mean, it literally had everything. And, and actually, you mentioned Chris Bowie, and really, when it went when we when it we turned the tide because the forwards you know, took control of the game and actually we settled by having a couple of rolling ball tries and, and you know, getting stuck in. And, and I think that was perhaps the problem in the first half a little bit. Having started solid with taking the penalties, we then, perhaps the players got a little bit, um, I don't know, just got a little bit overexcited and, and, and stopped doing the basics and, and just trying to push it you know, to you know, rather than just take the easy pass and then drive on a little bit more, a couple more phases, trying to do the worldie. And I think we got back, and it's people like Vui that got us back into it because that guy is is just Mister Consistent, isn't he? And not only Mister Consistent, but like also just an unbelievable filthy rig uh, with the way that he uh, he took those those dummies. And you know, I, I think. Yeah, we talk about him a lot, and I know a lot of people do, but he, he sometimes goes under the radar. But you know, we, he is so important to our team, Bowie. Absolutely. And just, just going back to the start, Lee, because um, one of the things that um, you, you don't really get or you don't notice when you're watching it at home, the TV, is the warm-ups. And obviously we, um, where we were sitting, we had to be in the ground between 6.15 and 7 o'clock. Um, so we saw a lot of the warm-ups and they they were practising a lot of these little no-look passes, you know, they'd like chicken wing pass. You know, that's something compared to, um, you know, 14, 15 months ago that they, they are warming up with these kind of little deceptive passes. Um, but we we did pick out one funny thing with that, didn't we? Carl Sinclair's little routine. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, there was um, like, well, how would you describe it, Tony? I mean, there was, I mean, some of the some of the balls were getting thrown at him, and he was offloading them, you know, left and right. But he was doing after he was doing that, he was doing a little shimmy, and it was almost like um, a little bit like the shimmy that Tom Varndell used to do before he'd uh, stretch his legs on the wing, and um, it just seemed so funny, Carl Sinclair doing it. Um, but but getting back to that warm up, I mean. You know, you, you forget. I mean, you see, we've we've mentioned it before on the TV when you're watching it, but the the warm up was so intense, wasn't it? Mm. And I think we you mentioned, didn't you, that we were actually saying, like, Jesus, we would be absolutely shattered just doing that warm up, and then they go and do it for for you know 80, 82 minutes, and the intensity that you can see that they bring now is is something that I've really never seen. Um, 
you know, in a Bristol site, to be honest. It is absolutely intense. Yeah, no, it's, it definitely seems to have stepped up since we were last there. And that, that little Sinclair routine was, was, was so... Fa- it, was, it was almost like he was auditioning for Riverdance um, because there, <laughs> there was a little little jump and a skip and a hop um, and then he'd, uh, then he'd get the ball and offload it again. But, uh, yeah, so um, Bears fans, when you're, you're back in the stadium, you just have a look at Carl Sinclair's little passing warm-up and uh, see, see what you think. Um well, guys, it was 13-7 at half time. Bristol went on to win that 39 points to 7. Pete, you know, if if 60-70% of those uh, uh attempts, the try attempts that were ruled out had stuck, that that would have been a cricket score, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I and I think it's testament to the way we play rugby, isn't it? I mean, we can criticise some of it. We can say we're a bit loose, but it's it's fine margins. And a lot of people perhaps have said today that, oh, you know, if that had been Exeter or Sale we were playing, it would have been a different story. But, you know, you just don't know. I mean, I'm sure Exeter and Sale wouldn't fancy uh, facing, uh, you know, our ambition like that. And they, they, they you know, they have... You know, they, they know what we've got and they do have to play out of their skins to, to stop us. But I think it was a I think it was a horses for courses performance. I think if there had been a sale or an exeter there, I don't think we would have quite played like we did. Um so I, I don't feel too worried about the the, the the you know the looseness of it I just think it was one of those days where it just didn't and it, it didn't quite work out several times uh, and, and we already alluded to it it was, it was anomalous I think you don't normally get that many um, sort of situations disallowed or butchered tries like that and I, I can't ever imagine that happening again so I, I came away from it exhilarated because it was an exhilarating night it felt like a bit of a one-off night uh, the first night back for fans but I, I, I'm not too upset about some of that stuff I know that when the big games come we will adapt but still adapt with our expansive game plan because ultimately you win by scoring more points than the opposition and that's what we we're desperate to do that's what we hunt for every game and I, I thought one of the ironies that the fact that we'd spent you know all these months watching uh games on the the small screen in front of us in in living rooms was that uh, there were so many TMO referrals I probably watched almost as much rugby being <laughs> yeah. shown on a big screen as I did actually seeing it live on the field it was it was even more screen time well let's let's have a look at some of the stats from the game we had Charles um, he made 101 meters on 11 carries semi 110 meters on 18 carries and max 64 meters on 16 carries um, we had 59% possession of 59% territory we made 631 meters in total to their 148 um, and let me let me come to you boys um, tackles how many tackles did Bristol have to make in that game let me come to you firstly what's your your estimate I'm terrible these aren't I um Tackles, well, it, it wouldn't be a lot, would it? I, I'm going to go something like 28. And you, Pete? 28, 28 tackles, what, in the whole game? But Bristol, how, how many tackles did Bristol have to make? Uh, well, I mean, if I would say, not as many as Gloucester, obviously. I, I don't know. 28, I don't know. How many tackles? <sighs> 
50. Well, it, it was 69, which um, I think is one of the lowest tackle counts that I can yeah. remember this season looking back in the stats. The fact that Gloucester only made 107, <laughs> I think, show, <laughs> show, shows that uh, quite quite often they didn't even get a player near um, uh, to uh, to our people. Um, but that, that was... Sorry, I was just I was just going to say that. Having said that, they did show a lot of guts and determination when they were they were literally kind of you know peeing in the wind, weren't they, for eighty minutes? But they did stick at it. You know, you've got to give them credit for that. Yeah, fair, fair play to Gloucester. They did, um, and we're we're going to come on and talk about. Um, uh, the Bristol team in a minute and the performances that uh, stood out but I'm going to pick a couple of Gloucester players and I'll, I'll come to you with one each uh, to get your thoughts um, first of all I'll come to you Lee um, Billy Twelve Trees at Fly Half was that a big right, well, big big bonus for Bristol? Yeah I mean we, we talked about this before kickoff team didn't we that um, obviously he's, he's not a natural 10 and um, and we were we were hoping that that might be a, a weak link in the Gloucester side, and uh, subsequently it, it turned out to be that, didn't it? And um, he, uh, I, I did kind of feel a little bit sorry for him to be honest on the pitch because he 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 obviously felt the pressure, and you know even some of the basic stuff that he 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 got horrendously wrong. Um, so yeah, that 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 really did surprise me that he that he started at ten, to be honest. And the one for you, Pete, um, you know, I, I was, I think there's some teams and there's some players that you, you want Bristol to win, but you want to see the opposition player have a, a sparkling game. Um, and Lewis Rees-Samit, I think this is the third time I've seen him play at Ashton Gate. And it, I think he's been fairly anonymous on all three times. Did, did, did you feel that on Monday night? Yeah, 100%. I remember thinking that halfway through the game. I'd, I'd forgotten he was on. I couldn't even remember. I couldn't actually, because my contact lenses were getting steamed up a bit, I couldn't even work out who he was, <laughs> let alone uh, on the pitch. And I mean, you know, he's all, obviously someone like Lewis Rees-Zamet feeds off front foot play. Um, he, he takes advantage of opportunities and he just didn't have any, to be fair to him. I mean, I don't want to put him down. I mean, I, he is a fantastic player and I, I hope that he gets great opportunities on the Lions tour. But I just think it just shows how dominant Bristol were, uh, despite their, the, the sort of the mistakes we made, that he, he didn't have a look in at all all game. And, um, you know, he, he's only human. <laughs> he's not superhuman. So I think he'll, you know, he's a young lad and he'll he'll bounce back. But I'm sure he won't look forward to coming to Ashton Gate again. No, right. Tony, you, you you could offset that just quickly. You could offset that with um, Carreras, who, who every time he, um, when he plays us, yeah. he always plays really well, doesn't he? So you know, swings and roundabouts, I guess. Especially when we give him the ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> When we pass to him, yeah, absolutely. Well, let, let, let's look at our players. Uh, Lee, I'm going to come to you first. And uh, in the forwards, um, who who stood out for you? Uh, who, who who had a good game? Oh, no, there's, I mean, we've got so many, I think we could probably pick out this week. But um, personally, I think that even though Sheedy got man of the match, I think Chris Bowie, I agree with Pete, I think Bowie was, was outstanding. Um 
I mean, he was powerful, you know, defensively, again, he was brilliant in the line-out, um, did the hard carries. He was great. I think him and Atwood are just absolutely on point um, in the second row. Um, and I also, I, I've got to give a big shout-out to to Ben Earl. I think Earl was fantastic. Um, and I also think it was Nathan Hughes' best game for a, for a long, long time. And I think... Um, you know the way he was just literally throwing people out of that that um, that rolling mole at the end uh, just you know typified big Nath really, and it, it's it's he's vital again to what we what we do going forward, isn't he? Absolutely, I I agree with you. I thought that uh, since his little injury problem, that 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 was the best we've seen him, and and the front row we you know it was Jan Thomas, Jake Kerr, and Carl Sinclair. Do you think that's Pat's preferred uh, front row now? I mean, it, um, Jan and Kyle have propped for the last two games uh, and Jake Kerr has come in and made quite an impact uh, for somebody new to the club. Yeah, I, I think we, we've all been impressed by Kerr, haven't we? He's, um, he, he is just solid. I mean, the line-outs are bang on point. They're kind of... They're not floated up like we, like we mentioned before, and I, I think that it, it possibly could be our front row, mate. I think that Pat, that Pat probably does see those three potentially um, as being starters for the for the playoffs. I mean, Jan Thomas has been been outstanding. I mean, to be honest, I, I didn't think any of them were, were were exceptional against Gloucester, but again, they didn't you know, they didn't really need to be so much, did they? I mean, they were just solid as as Miles. Um, likes to use that phrase but yeah I, I just think that, that those three I think potentially could be um, our front row going into the playoffs and Pete let me come to you then in the backs who who were the shining stars well I, I, I thought um, Andy Uren again had a, had a had a busy game he was lively he was loving the audience wasn't he because he was pointing to the lino all the time telling the lino where the ball had gone out Chopsying around. I mean, he, he plays on the edge, Andy, and uh, he, you know he loves the front foot game. So I, I was pleased with Andy. Sheedy uh, was obviously man of the match on on the night, um, and he, he did some great stuff. You know, he is, he's a um, he's a, you know he's a, he's a constant in our team, and, he, and we keep saying about that. But we know that we've got young Yoan Loy. When Yoan Loy came back on again, he's got a spring in his step again, hasn't he? And you know, you do wonder. Uh, out if he's uh, he's going to be pushing and pushing and pushing these last few games, and then uh, I mean, apart from uh, um, uh, his drop, I mean, Charles Pietau obviously made up for it in the second half. Morahan made some yards. I mean, we, you know, it was just a it was a. I liked Ciali starting, but actually, when Alapati came on, I thought he did a good job, and that looks to us like he is going to be our, you know, centre is the place for him in the future, isn't it? So. Yeah, I mean, you could. It's hard to, you know, it, on another night, as we said, we could have been sixty points up at halftime. So, you know, you can't say anybody did anything wrong apart from those last little five percent, um, you know, dropping a ball on the line and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it was it was a, it was one of our. I mean, it was a strong side put out, and it, you know, Pat picked a side for the occasion, didn't he? And uh, you know, expect to see more of it when the in the, the hard games come. Yeah, and a couple of couple of little concerns for me. Um, 
First one was John Afoa, obviously came on, but, um, you know, he, he's a real warrior, John Afoa. And when you see him limping off, not not able to continue, um, that, that, that's got to be a concern. And Lee, if, if that Afoa injury should prove anything other than short term, how much of a blow would that be for us? I think it would be a massive blow, Tony, because he's, he's been, you know, this was the guy that stepped up when we had all the injuries and, and carried the team, you know, with his, um, just with his passion, with his strength. And I think John Afoa is, is again, another vital cog to, to what we do going into the playoffs. So we just hope that, it, you know, it wasn't as bad as it looked and that, um, that we get him back as soon as possible. Chris Vui, who um, Pete, I think it was, was it Pat called in the silent assassin? Um, I thought also when he came off, uh, didn't seem to be moving completely freely as he, he walked back to the dugout. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. I mean, the good thing is we've got a weekend off, haven't we? So there's there's plenty of recovery time. And if, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this next pod about what we think about sale. But I think, you know... Uh, it, it's after that night. I think having having a bit of a break is going to be good all round. Um, so you know we'll we'll just have to wait and see on that one, won't we? Uh, but we know we got Joe Joyce. I mean, Joe Joyce hasn't played since he came on and was fantastic against Exeter. So you know it's almost as if he's 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 being kept back in the wings as well. So you know we've got to remember, even though we we we, we don't want to get too focused on individual players because we you know. We know that it's, it's got to be a squad a squad game, and and we've got to assume that if something goes wrong with one player, we've got the depth uh, for for someone else to come in. So um, yeah, we'll just have to you know it's going to be a nervous few weeks, really, isn't it? Because we want to we don't really want any more injuries now. We've had our fair share, and it would be lovely to feel that we really have got a massively big squad to pick from. Well, I think I think one of the things that was really pleasing to see, and again, the benefits of being there for the warm-up, uh, was to see um, Piers O'Connor and Dan Thomas out there warming up with the boys um, and, and knowing the fact that, you know, that they really have been stalwarts of this team this season, but they've been given, what, two, three weeks without having to play a game? So, you know, you can imagine that the two of them are going to come back fresh as daisies into the team as we go into the last three games of the season. Um, Well, just looking at the results predictions from last week, uh, I think the rosette goes to me because I had the score down uh, Bristol for a 35 points to 14 win. So uh, that was the closest uh, boys, let's take a, a little look at some of the other results from this weekend. As I say, we're currently recording on Monday evening, um, so we haven't got the uh, London Irish versus Exeter game. Sorry, we're recording on Tuesday evening, Tuesday. and we haven't got the Irish versus Exeter result. But um, uh, let's look through a, a couple of the games then, um, or, or the rest of the game, sorry. Um, Lee, let me come to you. Bath 20, Sale 24. Um Another bad result for Bath. Wait, why did you come to me with that one, Tony? Because <laughs> you're the Bristolian, mate, and I know you. That that will please you more than anyone. Well, it, it it did. Obviously, you know, Bath losing is always uh, is always pleasing, but um, they they were so limp wristed in that game. It was unbelievable. They had nothing going forward at all, and um, 
you know, Shell were there for the taking. And I, I just couldn't believe. I mean, you know, I'd read in the, in the press about, you know, after we'd spanked them the week before, how, how much they were going to end the season on a high. And, uh, yeah, I just couldn't believe it. It was, a, it was a shocking performance, to be honest. But very, very, very good for a Bristolian point of view. Very welcome. Yeah, and Pete, uh, Wasps 23, Worcester 19. Uh, the Worcester's torrid season continues. Yeah, they they just can't get that win, can they? I mean, by all accounts, it was it was relatively close. I didn't see the game, but I followed it a little bit on the internet. Um, wasps, you know, wasps getting back into a bit of form because they've had a ter- they had a terrible slump. Um, I mean, it's a bit odd with all. I mean, I look down, you know, looking down on all of these teams from our lofty position. You know, it's kind of with a slight detached disinterest in what they're getting on. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, we. Uh, it's quite. I mean, it's it's a it's a revelation, really, isn't it? To 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 look at wasps and think, oh, you know, wonder where they are. Is that the seventh or eighth? You know, I don't care. Um, I mean, they've got stuff to play for down at the bottom, haven't they? They've still got eight eight places to get into Europe. Unfortunately for Bath, they dropped down to ninth, didn't they? Which after that performance. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think what we really got to focus on is we really want to win because we want a, not only a home semi-final, but realistically, I think we want to be playing Harlequins. So whoever come, you hopefully will come fourth. We don't. I think we want Exeter Sale to play each other in the semis, um, and preferably Exeter beat Sale, and then all the Sale boys going on the Lions will be all about worried about getting injured. <laughs> Okay, well let's yeah, let's, let's let's worry about that in week, weeks to come. Yeah. Let, let, let's finish yeah. off the results from this week. Uh, we we got Leicester thirty five, Harlequins twenty nine. So a big win for Leicester. Alex Genge on the rampage, and that puts uh, a little bit of a, a dent in Quinn's hope to uh, get up into uh, second place. Uh, and then the other game, uh, Newcastle eighteen, Northampton Saints ten. So at long last, Newcastle starting to turn things round, but Northampton Saints season just uh, fizzling out. So the the table as it currently stands, uh, and as I say, we don't know the Exeter result yet. Is Bristol on top? Played nineteen seventy six points. Sale played nineteen sixty four points. Exeter played 1863 points and Harlequins played 1961 points. So um that uh you know who who could have imagined that with three games to go uh we'd have uh that eight point cushion uh at the top of the table or or sorry we went into this round with a seven point cushion um and, and potentially we're going to carry that through into these final three games. Um, Tony, just just quickly, you love a stat or two. You know that was our fifteenth um, Premiership win this season, which is a, a record for us as well. So I thought I'd throw that one in for you. Uh, absolutely, and I mean it is. It's just how many records are going to fall this season? You know, it will be points probably. It will be tries. It will be wins. Uh, and, and hopefully there'll be some some silverware as well at the end of the season. Um, you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at Bears Beyond the Gate, and, and on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Um, well, chaps, uh, 
it, it, it is a bit of a, a, a one uh, uh, show uh, or one subject show this week. Um, but uh, as we said right at the start, I think that is a game that we will be talking about for for years and years to come um and what a privilege it was to be there with uh, that first game back but obviously um we, we we have got the opportunity hopefully for one if not two more games at the gate uh pete um you know potentially the next game they're talking about 6000 for for the final league game uh, against yeah. irish um excited about that prospect to double the attendance yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the reason we were only three thousand because it was actually a test event, wasn't it? And uh, and it seemed to went to go smoothly. So there's no reason to suggest we won't get up to the six thousand. I think it's the twenty percent, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I think the I think the onus is on is on us fans. I mean, three thousand. The atmosphere we created with three thousand. Uh, with six thousand, uh, those extra three that come along have got have got some catching up to do, haven't they? So, I think that the Irish game will be uh, will be another fantastic um, occasion. Yeah, and Lee, let me cut just one point. I think one thing that surprised us was, um, you know, the three thousand one hundred thirty eight tickets. I think that went on general sale um, went to season card holders, and I think all of us probably expected that they'd be snapped up but uh were you surprised when four 450 or so made it through to uh open general sale yeah massively surprised to me i mean you know i i know that it was a, a monday evening and you know school night so that would have brought a lot of people out and you know i guess some of the older people um might not have fancied it quite so much but um i, I was surprised I, I literally thought there would be no tickets left whatsoever um i mean i was panicking because you you obviously got my tickets all there didn't you because i had no wi-fi so um but yeah it, it was bizarre but I, I you know like i said i mean the three thousand people that were there i mean they they did everyone proud didn't they you know and and we've we've seen a lot of comments today about people that were um watching on TV about how loud it was. And, and my daughter had actually remarked that she could she could hear the, the crowd. She said, I can't remember it being that loud. So, I mean, it was 3,000 people. So it, it we, was, it was we, immense. I think we, us 3,000, I think we, we deserve little badges or something, don't we, from the club, like super fans, hero fans <laughs> for... Uh, <laughs> For, for for being the ones that gave up the the Monday. No, so I mean, maybe there was obviously a f- few people out there that you know maybe couldn't make it because they had work commitments or whatever. And uh, but yeah, um, I was quite surprised they didn't get snapped up. But then again, you counter that with the fact they've broken the record on season tickets, haven't they, for next year? So um, yeah, it's it's uh, I think more after that game, as you said, Tony, because it was so it was such a big game. I think that'll encourage more people to come to the next time that it's it's available. So the Irish game, and it, 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 a nice little touch. One of our regular listeners, Kira, who um, sat just behind Lee and I, um, uh, really lovely anecdote that uh, she was down to do the London Marathon, uh, but of course that that was cancelled because of COVID. So um, they 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 ran virtual marathons, so they had to still go out and do the full twenty six odd miles. But uh, obviously it wasn't in a mass participation event, and she said um, she she had bears beyond the gate. 
uh, on her earphones to uh, to help her on this charity run, this 26-mile charity run. So, Kira, thanks for listening and, uh, you know, well done on, on completing your marathon. That, uh, that was fabulous. Yeah, um, Well, boys, I think that's about it for this game uh, and for this podcast. Uh, oh, hang on a minute. Are we missing someone? Don't know no, who you're talking no, about. We're not missing anyone well, at all. I'll tell it. you what it is, Tony. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. It's Mr. Big I Am, isn't it? He was on the radio last night. He yeah. he's, it's, it's Mr. Big I Am. He's moved on from us. Well, he's still signing autographs, thing. He, yeah. He is, because... I, I mean, I think we lost him on the way out out of the ground. Uh, he'd had a he'd had a few sherbets, hadn't he? And the last time I can remember seeing him, um, you know that estate agent on North Street that's got the television screens. He, he just had his nose against the window, shouting "TMO, TMO." Um, hang on, let let me just check my phone to make sure he's. Oh, hang on a minute. We have got a message. We have got. Hang on. Let's let's just play this this message. Um, from Mr. Miles. Hey boys, Miles here. Sorry I can't be with you this evening on the podcast, but I'm stuck in work, so I thought I'd just send you a little voice file. I mean, what a what an atmosphere it was last night. It was brilliant to see you boys, and even better to spend the evening with 3,100 and so other Bristol Bears fans watching a fantastic game of rugby. I mean, yeah, the performance was a bit odd, and if we'd have got all those disallowed tries, then goodness knows what the scoreline would have been. But just to be down at Ashton Gate, drinking uh, flat butt eating overcooked pasties that's what I love about it I wouldn't change it for a minute and I even had to wipe some pasty off my jeans this morning uh, and I've got still got a bit of a sore throat from shouting so lovely to see those players in the flesh again looking forward to the next game and uh, enjoy the podcast see you lads well there we are obviously he did make it home in one piece which which is a relief not only for us but for his family and of course for the NHS <laughs> So uh, thank, thanks for recording that little message for us, Miles. Uh, Incidentally, he wasn't working today, was he? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, boys. Well, as ever, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, that's it for this show. Uh, if you've listened and li- you've liked what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a review or rating for us on your favourite podcast platform. We'll be back um, at the weekend when we've got lots to talk about, including our preview of the sale game. Until then, goodbye, stay safe and come on, Briz. Briz.